You're listening to The Room Block Podcast, a series of conversations with compelling professionals from the world of events and hospitality. I'm your host, Jen Salerno. I've spent the last 20 years in different facets of the industry, working alongside a variety of people that have one common goal, to serve our customers by creating memorable experiences. Now, I want to share with you the passions, inspirations, and challenges of the individuals who make it happen. Welcome to The Room Block, and enjoy your stay. Greetings, Room Block Podcast listeners. Thanks so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to have you here. It means so much to have both returning guests and, of course, new ones as well. So thank you so much for being here and for listening to and supporting the events and hospitality industry, but also, of course, the show itself. Don't forget that if the best way to support The Room Block is to go ahead and subscribe on any major podcast platform, and of course, to leave a review, most notably on Apple Podcasts. It makes it so much easier for other people to find the show and to hear all about why you like it. So thank you so much. It's the greatest way to support me in the show. I'm so excited to bring you my very first guest of this new season. But before we go into that, I do want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by JTS Connect, offering host, MC, and moderation services for live or virtual events, as well as podcast hosting and consultation by yours truly. Please email me at jtsalerno at gmail.com or visit me on LinkedIn to learn more. Anyway, Can you even believe that we are nearing the end of 2021? You know, this industry, it's just awakening and it's moving and it's actually really morphed into something that feels new, doesn't it? I mean, we've got in-person events happening, virtual events happening, hybrid events happening, and there's so many new players, you know, new vendors, new hotels and new hoteliers. And thankfully, there's also a growing list of new standards from a health and wellness standpoint, but also from a diversity, equity, and inclusion standpoint. It's just so fun to see all the changes. And I know that there's still a lot of growing pains happening, but overall, the momentum seems to be picking up and I feel like there's definitely uh, an excitement in the air. And I've never ceased to be amazed by the resilience and the creativity of our industry. And I, I realize that it's the people that are in it who, who make it this way. We are an industry so lucky to have idea generators, people connectors, deep thinkers, and solution seekers. We are built from a foundation of service and continuous improvement. So... To kick off the season of The Room Block, I wanted to bring you somebody who embodies all of these things. And he's special not just to the events and hospitality industry for the work that he has done and is still doing, but he's special to me personally because he's actually my inspiration for the type of work that I'm moving into now. Hosting events, moderating conversations, connecting people with ideas and with each other, and most of all, serving this industry. If you have not guessed yet, 
I'm talking about none other than David Kleiman, founder and president of the Kleiman Group, which, speaking of serving our industry, has been doing it for almost two decades now. But David has a much longer history of, as he puts it, holding space for events and hospitality. And in this episode, you'll hear all about where he started and what led him to be the epitome of servant leadership that he is today. His accomplishments and his accolades are many, including serving as international chairman of MPI, which is Meeting Professionals International, and also on the White House Council of Travel and Tourism. He's been awarded MPI's International Planner of the Year and was named one of the top 25 influencers of the meeting industry by North Star Meetings Group for 2020. I really hope you enjoy listening to and learning from one of the strongest voices in events and hospitality. I bring you my conversation with David Kleiman. Welcome, David Kleiman, to the Room Block Podcast. I am absolutely honored to have you here with me today. I am delighted to be here and looking forward to chatting. Yes, thank you. Well, so for the audience, I just want to give a little brief you know, background of who you are, but then I'm going to go into why I really wanted you on my show. <laughs> but Great. So you are David Kleiman, the owner of the Kleiman Group, which I can't believe it's been almost 20 years. Yeah, almost 20 years I've been at this gig. Yes, and, and you had a whole career prior to this gig, which I know absolutely led you to where you are today. Yes, indeed. Yes, but so oh, I just want to give the, the background to my audience, and I've conveyed this to you, David, but I met David Kleiman back in 2015 at the Wynn Resort in Las Vegas. I was there for uh, a little pre-event to IMAX. Uh, it was the Wynn Weekend of Discovery, and I was able to be invited to this wonderful weekend. And David was the facilitator of this event. And there were, I don't remember, maybe 60, 70? Yeah, I think about 60 people were there, an annual event that we've been, I've been working, I think for 10 years or so with mm. Win and a, a great uh, process that, that they do that I'm honored to work with them on. And that's where we met. Yes, exactly. And you did not know at the time, even though I, I do remember asking you, how did you get started doing this? But you might not have known just how much of an impact you made on me at the time. Honestly, really? David. Yes. And you know, I, I was in my former position at the time. I was with On Peak. I was uh, overseeing their contracting services department. And I loved that job very much. However, um, what you were doing when I saw you up in front of the group, just connecting the audience, our our crowd with, with each other and with ideas, I thought, I want to do that someday. <laughs> like, I just, I, I loved seeing how, what you were doing. And, and you know, it's interesting you should say that because I had a very similar experience when I was a young event professional. And it kind of points to today because I can remember clearly around the first six or seven months that I was an event planner, I was at a Marriott event and Roger Dow, who was head of sales, I think at the time of Marriott, was standing in front of this large room of event planners 
holding space as the moderator and interviewing Mr. Marriott and all that. And I remember clearly and have said to Roger Dow up to recently, Roger, you influenced me and showed me a career path of being a facilitator, an MC, someone who holds space, and most importantly, connects people and ideas. So what I gave to you is what Roger Dow, who today is CEO of US Travel and a mm. great leader in our industry, gave to me all those years ago. Oh my gosh. Well, that's so cool. And I'm I'm glad that you answered that because I <laughs> I did want to know, and I, I will get into more. I, I would like sure. to know a little more about the foundation of why that speaks to you, why that career speaks to you so much, but awesome to hear who your influence was as well. So yep, that's who you were to me. So I guess I have to thank Roger as well. <laughs> yes, indeed. And I, I think it's about being that curious mind and connecting with people, being empathetic meeting people where they are, not trying to impose your ideas on a conversation, but being able to hold space and have conversations and ask smart, curious questions to get people to talk. And that's really what effective facilitation and moderation is about. You know, it's funny because what you just described almost sounds like a therapist role. <laughs> well, it's <Right>? interesting <laughs> that both my parents are, my father is a psychiatrist and my mother is a psychologist and my sister is a family therapist and my husband is a former social worker. So I grew up in this therapeutic community or ecosystem, but I knew it wasn't for me. I wasn't a medical professional, but it is kind of interesting in retrospect that what I do is get people to talk openly. That is amazing is I've never actually used or heard the phrase holding space used in this professional setting heard it plenty of times in a therapeutic setting, right? But that's the goal. It, it really is. And that's what translates to whether it was at Wynn at the Weekend of Discovery or a think tank, a focus group, an advisory board. You really want to create a space where you can have smart questions and know where the conversation's going, but not limited in a way that the attendees don't feel that they can speak openly and honestly and transparently and strategically to help the host organization get feedback that's gonna be meaningful to them. Mm -hmm. So the climate group, I mean, yes. this this is what you do. I mean, so the climate group basically facilitates customer advisory boards, think tanks, you provide leadership coaching and guest service analysis. So yes. this obviously, this was a passion for you to be able to do this for, in particular, the events and hospitality industry. Correct. So take us back to this industry and where your passion started to grow for this. I mean, I know you got your start at the Plaza Hotel New York. Yeah, and, and I'll say, you know, there I was a newly minted college grad who, like most newly minted college grads, I had no idea what I wanted to do other than be in the tourism world. And I didn't study tourism. I was a language and lit major, 
I was lucky that I was multilingual and had lived all over the world, all of that. And I got a lucky break and started at the Plaza Hotel on an entry level job. I had aspirations. Oh, I can be in international sales and start right there and I'll be James Bond and travel all over the world. Well, that doesn't happen. <laughs> and they offered me an entry level job sitting at a green screen airline computer taking reservations. And I can tell you that on day one, I fell in love with the hotel industry. And I thought, I'm home. This mm. is where I want to be. And I wanted to be in sales, but I was a kid and I could work my way up and I got a very lucky break. And in less than 12 months, I was on a Pan Am Clipper flying to Rio de Janeiro to make sales calls. <laughs> and I thought, I've died and gone to heaven. I can't believe it. I'm going to Brazil to make sales calls for the Plaza Hotel. Now, I had no idea what I was doing, but I was curious enough and knew the questions to ask to find the right way out of this fear. But so I, I, I started, I got a lucky break. And then five years later, a client hired me out to be a meeting professional out of the blue literally just offered me a job. And I thought, what a great opportunity. I became a corporate event professional, fell in love with that, got involved with MPI and other organizations. And most importantly, and perhaps the one of the best pieces of advice I could give anyone was maintain, uh, harvest and maintain relationships carefully, thoughtfully, and honestly, because that's how I got my job as an event planner. That's how I got promoted in that organization. And that's exactly how, after 18 years of working at that company, at Fireman's Fund Insurance Company, that's how I could strike out on my own successfully and very quickly facilitating think tanks and having the climate group be a very successful consulting company because of the relationships that I had developed all along the way. That is exactly how I became successful. And by being curious and honest and all those things, but fundamentally the relationships that I had developed and maintained along the way by being a go-to guy that could get things done by holding space and doing all those things, that's exactly how I got it done. It's so interesting because there must have been something that that client saw in you to bring you on as an event planner. And really, I mean, it was only a few years that you worked at the hotel. It's not like you had this massive amount of experience. No, I was six. I was there for six years. Six years. Um, okay. and, and what happened was the quick story was one of my accounts was a little, I'm joking, company called American Express. Yeah. And the CEO of American Express was this iconic guy named Sandy Weil, who became, was CEO of American Express, then became CEO of Citibank, and has since retired and become a Buffett million, a billionaire 
philanthropist where he's donating literally 99% of his net worth to charity before he dies. He was my client and he saw me over the years at the Plaza Hotel do what I did in sales. We also did service at the time and he saw something in me. He was taking Fireman's Fund public And he referred me to the incoming CEO saying, hire this guy. He is the guy you need. And that basically changed my life. Interestingly, until a year ago, I lived in Sonoma Valley, California, where Sandy Weil retired and is a big philanthropist there and other places. Hmm. I ran into him in the supermarket once. Here's this 80 plus year old billionaire who still picks up things at the deli counter. And I turned to him and I said, you know, pardon me, but I just want to thank you. You might not remember who I am, but 35, 40 years ago, you changed my life. And he's like, the Plaza Hotel, Fireman's Fall, like he totally put it together. And I was like, you picked me out of obscurity and changed my life. And I thank you. Mm. And he was so humble and nice about it. And what, what an amazing power of relationships that that story tells me. Yes. Incredible. I mean, I love that he remembered exactly who you were and look at that. I mean, like you said, he literally changed your life. I probably would have been a hotel, I would have been a hotel DOSM, maybe I would have been a hotel general manager and had a great hotel career that would have been terrific. But I wanted to try other things. Mm -hmm. And this route that a simple relationship, a trusted, valid relationship gave me that opened a door. And frankly, I thought when I got that job as an event planner, I kept our apartment in New York for two years thinking this might not work out. We might go back to New York. Never looked back. Hmm. I mean, I was 30 plus years living in Northern California. How fantastic. Well, and I love the fact that then again, you were able to stay within this industry that is so so important to you. I mean, it made an impact on you from, like you said, day one, you felt like you were home. Loved it at day one. And it just, it's like you were able to explore this industry through a different side. You know, you, you, you did the hotel side, you did the event planning side, and and that was years, almost two decades there of, of working within the corporate realm, working with their events and travel and communications and all of that. But then going off on your own and being able to say, now I'm going to continue to serve this industry in a different way. And so why do you have that passion? Yeah, it's a great question. So, you know, I was an event planner. I got another lucky break about halfway through my 18 years there and got promoted to VP of corporate administration and communications running the the overall department that meetings and travel was under and reporting to the CEO and became a senior executive, um, amazing opportunity. 
And I did that for many years, but then I was in my, I was like 46 years old or something. And I had, I was working for a financial services company as the senior executive in my, in, in uh, communications and administration. And frankly, kind of the joy went out of it. And I was talking with some trusted friends, Deborah Sexton, Bruce McMillan, um, Barry Smith, folks that I was very close with. And I was saying, you know, I, I'm not singing on my way to work anymore. And I'd love to find something that I could do that would be different and that I would love. And along the way, internally, I had started to facilitate think tanks and advisory boards internally for the company and was doing that very well for, for Fireman's Fund. And it had made a, a real difference in the organization. And we kind of got to that point of what do you love to do? Love to hold space, love to facilitate, love to moderate, MC. And Bruce McMillan, who today is COO of PCMA, was at the time CEO of uh, Destination Toronto, of Tourism Toronto. He said, if you strike out on your own, I'll be your first customer. Create an advisory board for me. And I was like, let's go. And I resigned my position. People thought I was crazy. I was making stupid money. I had this international job. I was flying to Germany once every six weeks, two months for meetings at the international headquarters. I was doing meetings and holding space all over the world. I had this great job, but I just didn't love it as much as I had before. Bruce and others gave me this opportunity. I struck out on my own and within nine months, I had about half a dozen clients through the relationships that I had mined and maintained over the years. So Toronto and Vancouver and other cities in the US, San Francisco became my clients, Vegas. And I was like, why didn't I do this before? This is my joy. This is my passion. And I will say there's great risk in working for yourself, but there's great reward. And I did that in 2003. And, you know, everybody knows 2007, 2008, there was a great downturn in the economy. Interestingly enough, I was able to grow my company during those times because having these think tanks and getting customer feedback during a recession is a great value to tourism organizations. And frankly, the cost of it, it's not like it comes free, but it's not a seven figure massive expense to do some huge rebranding or communications campaign. It's, you know, it's, it's a palatable expense for most, not all. And I was able to grow my company in the recession. And of course, COVID, all of us have slowed down, but I've still kept busy through my volunteer work with the Events Industry Council. I did a lot of pro bono work for my clients during COVID and even up to now, but it's shifting much more to paid work because things are, we're in a, a more of a recovery phase. And 
and proving the value of the, the holding space and getting the feedback was really fundamental to that. I saw an interview that you had done where you were speaking about once everything started to hit with COVID, you said, I'm going to reach out to my clients yes. and I'm going to say, you know what, what can I do for you? How can I serve you during this time? And I think that's incredible. And I did. I went out to each and every one and I said, look, all of our businesses have fallen apart. But if you need me during this pandemic, I'm here pro bono to do work for you. And I think nine out of 10, you know, like 90% of them said, great, you know, we're all in. And I've been doing Zoom meetings and holding space for them and harvesting feedback and doing research for them. And now I'm back. I mean, I've got paid projects, uh, October, November, December of this year and well into next year, I think because of my allegiance and my service to them. Of course. I'm so happy to hear that, by the way. But um, I mean, it just it so speaks to your desire to just continue to serve this industry. I mean, because you love it and you see the value in it, the massive, massive value. Yeah. <laughs> so look, I mean, I thought about it. I I thought, is am I done? You know, everything fell apart March 2020. Yeah. Do I just say roll it up and shut down and, you know, just frankly retire? But I just, I wasn't ready for that. I didn't want to do it. I didn't have that on my horizon. Some people thought, oh, David and Lars are moving to Tucson to retire. No, we moved to Tucson because we're climate refugees and got burned out of California wildfires and our neighborhood melted. That's why we moved to Tucson, not to retire. So I'm, I'm glad and I'm busy and I'm engaged and love it more than ever. Mm -hmm. Well, and we really should mention here about what you did, <laughs> what you, you know, in addition to the clients that you were serving pro bono, uh, your volunteer work with the EIC. Yeah. I mean, that really came out of like day two or three when after things locked down in March, I was on a call with Kristen Horseman at Salesforce, who right now is running Dreamforce in San Francisco. It's the last day and it's been online and it's been magic. They are meeting outside on Howard Street on this amazing stage, just incredible. But Kristen and I were talking about, my gosh, where's the information? Where are the resources? There's no centralized portal. Why don't you and I create that? So I went to Amy Calvert, CEO of the Events Industry Council and said, why don't we curate, aggregate, and share as much data? We're not going to write it, but we're going to find it and share it as much COVID recovery standards, procedures, data, uh, best practices as we can. And that turned into the Events Industry Council COVID Recovery Task Force, which today is the standard that both suppliers and planners go to for procedures, best practices on how to safely convene during and after COVID in a COVID compliant way. And that's what they're using at Dreamforce in San Francisco. That's what IW uh, uh, Pow Wow 
US travel in Vegas had used. That's what MPI and PCMA and Destinations International used for their meetings over the summer. And I'm humbled and proud of the work that we have done. All volunteer, all open source. It's incredible. And what is it that makes somebody decide to do that instead of roll over? You know, I mean, I think it's just such an amazing thing that you wanted to do this for the industry. I mean, that you, you, like you said, you could have retired. You could have been like, all right, you know, and I, I understand that feeling because in a way that's why I started this podcast. I mean, it was like, I could just move on. There were not jobs to be had right. that summer. You know, I mean, it was just a lot of people had to move on. And I'm like, I, I can't do it. I cannot leave this industry. I think volunteer activity and volunteer commitment, whether it's to your profession, whether it's to your community, to your family, to your house of worship, what, whatever it is, is a fundamental core that brings exponential personal reward. And so those, if you call it endorphins or that charge that I get from volunteering, I mean, I'm, I'm going to the MPI Global Board of Trustees meeting in San Francisco next week as a member of that group, volunteer, in frankly, a difficult time from a Delta variant travel. I mean, I, I'm wholeheartedly committed to the process of volunteering, in this case, to my MPI foundation service because I believe in what the foundation is doing to support our, our community of planners and suppliers. And I believe that um, what I get out of it is so much more than what I put into it. So it's worth three days for me to go to a meeting and mitigate those risks. I, I acknowledge it that you know, it's easier to stay home in your bubble, but <laughs> I, I, I need to volunteer. I want to be part of that. I think it's important in a crisis, and I think it's important just in our profession and in our community. It doesn't have to be professional volunteerism. It can be personal. That's true. Well, and it's a way to channel excess energy yes. instead of, you know, instead of turning and in, in doing something negative or something destructive. It's it's a way to take whatever feelings you have. I mean, and I'm speaking, I guess, more to where we were all at last year. But you know, where it's just yeah. like, what do we do? There was a major discomfort. Like you said, you watched your business just <laughs> your calendar clear, you know, yes. and it's just like, I got to do something you chose to serve. Yeah, I, I think Kristen and I identified a need and thought we were, um, we weren't the only people that could fill that void, but we were in positions where we had the knowledge and the connection, the network, the community to very quickly open doors in a crisis where we went 
you know, let's say I think that conversation was like March 19th or something like that, 2020. And within a matter of weeks, we had 40 plus volunteers on this committee actively engaged in subcommittees, working weekly and within, uh, I, I don't remember the exact timeline, but within a very, very short amount of time, delivered the first workbook. And now there's, I, I can't remember the exact number, about 10 workbooks that are open source, free of charge online at the Events Industry Council, where you can download all of this work and they're being constantly updated. This, the work of this group is not over, it is ongoing. Mm -hmm. And that fuels me. You're leaving quite a legacy. <laughs> Whenever you do choose to retire, I, I mean- it, I've got years to go. I'm, well, not, I'm not leaving. Good, <laughs> because there's obviously still so much more to come. You've done so many wonderful things and it's just, I, I, I think you as a member of the industry, just because it's been so inspiring to to watch you just personally, but also as a as an industry professional, you're obviously contributing so much back into it. And it's just such a wonderful thing to see. And I can only hope that I and others can do similar work because it's so important. And that is really whether pick your organization personally, professionally, you know, I know that whether it's PCMA, MPI, a, something local in your community, a chapter, an international board, there's ample opportunity and the reward is magnificent. Aside from the podcast, this past year was the first time I really got into industry volunteer work um, with PCMA primarily. And it, yes, it's been incredible. Just uh, the people you meet and the connections you make and and just the work that you're able to do. So, you know, there's so many silver linings. There are indeed. And I don't discount in any way the impact that the pandemic has had on our industry and on our lives. It's devastating. But provided you're healthy still and can work and be engaged, there is a silver lining that can be worked on for you and th there are great opportunities well david before we close out and i'm just really thankful that you joined me for this conversation so thank you but i want to give you a chance to speak to something i want to either let you compliment or issue a complaint and i would say complaint in the way of opportunity like you know complaint is a gift yes. um but as far as what you see happening today with the industry, with, with COVID, with, with whatever it may be, a compliment or a complaint? I want people to believe in science. I want people to look at facts and understand that facts are facts and to be curious and not just to believe your social media feed or your favorite pundit but to dig down and do research and look at things like what US Travel put out, um, I think on Tuesday of Let's Meet There, where they put out all the science about how we can meet safely 
don't believe in fake news and drill down and be curious and get to the facts and believe in science. I think that's perfectly put and I am 100% with you. So <laughs> thank you for that. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much. You too have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you.